What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. You know, I think in each of our lives, there are different scopes and aspects. You, you may be in the world I'm in, in the, in the spiritual world, and trying to be the best pastor and leader that I can be in my world. Maybe you're a business leader, and you're really trying to figure out that business zone you've been put in. Or many, maybe many of you are in the coaching field, and you're, you're that balance of, I want to learn how to be a great coach, but also a great teacher of the game and a teacher in the, in the field that I'm in. But one aspect crosses all of our lives, and that's in the area of money. We all, no matter what we do, have to deal with money, have to plan for money, and we all are trying to make ends meet, but we also want to live a life that one day we may be able to retire and we may be able to find out what it is that God has created for us on the other side of full-time work. Well, today's guest is going to be spot on for you. Today, I'm getting to sit down with Chris Hogan. Chris is one of Dave Ramsey's, who is is Mr. Financial Peace and Mr. Financial Solutions across the country with his nationwide radio show. Chris is one of his big personalities, and Chris just wrote a number one national best-selling book, Retire Inspired. It's not an age. It's a financial number, and he's also host of the Retire Inspired podcast. Chris is a dynamic and popular speaker on the topics of personal finance, retirement, and leadership, and helps people across the country develop successful strategies to manage their money in both their personal lives and in their business lives. Chris is not only an amazing leader, Chris is an amazing thought leader. And I think today is going to be one of those days that's going to push you. You know, you can tell Chris has a background in athletics with his metaphors. He was an All-American football player at Georgetown College. But I'm thankful that his life ended up doing what he's doing because I can tell you this, he's inspiring not only thousands across the country speaking with his podcast and with his book, but he's going to inspire you today to think a little deeper, to plan a little more, and remember this word, intentional. You're going to hear it a lot in today's sit-down with Chris Hogan. So pull up a chair, listen in to my time with Chris. Chris, thank you so much for being willing to join us today on Lynch with a Leader. It means a ton, buddy. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, I think so many people are familiar with Dave Ramsey. I mean, you guys have just really transformed that industry and how people think about money. You weren't always, though, in money. You had a little background in football. Tell us a little bit about your background in sports. Yes, sir. Well, I grew up uh, in Kentucky and uh, played football, wrestled, played baseball there, and ended up going to college at Georgetown, uh, about 30 minutes away from my hometown to play football there. We were in NAIA school and uh, had a fortunate opportunity to get over there with some incredible coaches uh, and some phenomenal people. And it's one of those things, uh, being there with coaches and being guided with the right people and 
really working really hard, we were able to win the school's first national championship in football in 1991. And so it was just a great opportunity. Um, I look back on it. I'm so grateful for the people that I came in contact with, but also the relationships that were established at that time. How did how did some of those experiences you had, Chris, in sports, you think prepare you for what you're doing today? Well, I think, you know, being a part of a team, uh, I think is vital. Uh, I always value the teamwork side of things, of people having a job, knowing what their role is, but doing that role as a bigger part of something, something bigger than yourself. And I realize that now looking back that the people that I came in contact with, how we were able to guide each other, how we were able to push each other. But I can tell you this, being a part of some incredible leaders, and by that I'm talking about my coaches, uh, they were concerned about building us as young men, not just what we our performance on the football field. And I'm very grateful for them for that, because I think what they helped me do was to start to dream bigger than I think I ever thought was possible. And that was a direct, uh, uh, you know, correlation with their leadership style. And so they really impacted all of us. That's one of those, uh, a lot of us guys stay connected. And we just look back on it. And we're so grateful for those coaches planting the seeds and growing those seeds, but also helping us to reach farther than we thought possible to do more than we were maybe even capable of doing. Boy, that is so good. And I think anybody who's been on a team, man, they know that family and they know that brotherhood that's experienced. You graduate Georgetown, you move into the working world. Tell, tell me a little bit about that transition from playing, playing sports and that sort of being a defining part of your life to getting into business and getting into the working world. Tell me a little bit about that journey. Sure. Well, after completing uh, undergrad, I w moved to Pennsylvania with my head coach uh, and coached there. Uh, I was a full-time assistant while I was going to graduate school. And so I had an opportunity to now be on the other side of me shaping some other young men. What's crazy is, is I graduated at age 21. And so I'm in grad school coaching guys that were older than me. Right. And so, but what I was able to do was to use the skills and traits of my other coaches and teachers and people I've been around. And I was able to start to really kind of pay it forward uh, with these other young men and helping them. And so then transitioning into the banking world, uh, for me, it was a, an eye opening experience uh, to start to see that business wasn't like sports. Uh, there was a, there was a hierarchy. People were caught up in titles. Uh, they were caught up in their position. And so for me, being a part of that business world, I was trying to bring that teamwork mentality, uh, that that us first and me last kind of mindset into the business world. And, and that really began to grow me as a leader uh, and, and really started to help me see what could be done when people feel connected to the mission and vision of what you're trying to accomplish, but also the role and responsibility of a leader. It's a leader's job to get people connected. It's the leader's job to make sure they know what's going on in their teammates' lives. And so for me, this was, uh, it was uh, really me cutting my teeth. I, I tell people it was like me getting a PhD in reality mm. uh, in that business world. Boy, that is so good. And I, and I love the part of your story. In fact, in your book, Retire Inspired, so incredible. I love that part of the book where you and your wife had started listening to Dave Ramsey and his principles, and you found yourself at a silent auction. And your wife made a bold move at that silent auction to bid on a time with Dave. Tell everybody a little bit about that story. 
Chris? Sure, sure. Well, it was one of the things uh, in, in banking, I was finding myself getting more and more miserable, Mike. I um, I, I didn't feel like I was helping people. I, I was having to push certain debts and, and things of that nature. And ultimately, I was just miserable. And uh, it was one of those things, my wife said, well, why don't you go meet Dave? And I literally laughed in her face. I was like, yes, why don't I just roll down there and knock on that man's front door <laughs> and meet him? I go, no, I'm not doing that. So anyway, flash forward about a year and a half later, we're at a silent auction uh, to be able to help families in needs for GraceWorks. And um, we were there and there was an item there called Dave's Chair where you bid on to literally sit in on the show with Dave. Now, it wasn't to be on the radio. You were just in the studio as he was taping. And my wife stalked that thing like a linebacker, uh, bid on it, hawked it, stayed around it the whole time, won it, and then brought it to me and said, now I want you to go meet the man. And to make a long story short, I ended up coming in and meeting Dave, and uh, we actually struck up a friendship. Uh, it was one of those where we started to have conversations. We had some similar backgrounds, and I worked as a collector as well as a banker, and so that intrigued him. And so we just started talking about this money stuff. And I have to say this, being sitting in on that uh, show, I was only going to stay for an hour and ended up staying for all three. I got a chance to see Dave's heart. Um, I got a chance to see what he was doing as a leader behind the scenes off air for some of the callers calling in and it blew me away. Um, I, I thought, wow, this, this is bigger than I even thought. And so I left and uh, Dave called me a few days later and we had some more meetings. And after about the third meeting, he said, you know what? He goes, why don't you come help me do this? And wow. I said, Dave, I, I don't think you need any help. You're, you're doing pretty good on your own. He goes, no, we're looking for like-minded people that can help us grow. And literally three weeks later, I joined the team. That is incredible. What would have happened, Chris, if your wife hadn't have stepped? And I think that says, of course, not don't know your wife, but it says a lot about how much she believes in you to have done that that night. What would what would your life look like if that hadn't happened? If you had continued on and she yeah. hadn't have made that bid on that. Well, I think ultimately if that, if she hadn't won that item, I think I would have, uh, eventually I would have moved out of banking. Um, I, I literally would have gotten clued in and went the avenue of looking to empower and educate and encourage as many people as possible. Um, whether that was through, you know, my own foundation or a business that I started, but it was one of those things where it was uh, definitely a God thing. Uh, it was definitely one of those things where looking at my, my background as a as a sports player, as a collector, as a banker, as you know, a mortgage person, as an investing person, looking at the path he took me on to get me to where I am, you start to realize there are no accidents. Uh, that that literally the Lord is guiding us, and and is literally He's given us any skill we have as a blessing, and that's something we've received. And I think as you become aware of that, you can start to use that to help others, and along the way, you can end up helping yourself as well as your family. I remember in the book too, and I think one of the one of the turning point moments was when you talked about meeting with a young man who said, I'm retired. Now I can pretty much do whatever I want. When he said, and you were you were the one supposed to give him advice, he says that. What triggered inside of you, Chris? I literally, as soon as he said it, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was confused. I didn't understand how this guy at 46 um, was telling me that he was going to be able to do this. I mean, he had all his hair. 
all his teeth, right? <laughs> there was no oxygen mask, no wheelchair. How could he be retired? And so literally, like you said, he came in to get a wealth checkup to get advice and guidance from me. And this guy came in and ended up lighting a fire in me to start to look at my own situation on a whole nother level. Mm. You, you say that 60% of Americans have less than 25,000 saved for retirement. Why do you think that's the case? Is it they don't know or is there a deeper issue at work? Well, I think there are a couple issues. Uh, I think there's some level of unawareness. Uh, people don't know how important it is to get started earlier. Uh, then we also have some overspending habits um, where we're, we're just living for the day uh, instead of living in the day and planning for tomorrow. And then I think there's this false reliance on Social Security, Mike. Mm. Uh, this is one of those things that really disturbed me as I talk with people, as I started researching this stuff about five years ago. People had this false sense that the government was going to save the day. And, and I, I would look at them and I'd say, well, wait, wait a minute. Do you do you know how Social Security works? And I explained it to people that the average payout is around 16000 a year at Social Security. And that equates to around $1,333 a month. And so I was helping people to see this number because the average mortgage payment is hovering around twelve to fourteen hundred a month. That's right. The average new car payment's five seventy, and the average used car payment's four fifty. And so my point was is Social Security wouldn't be enough to cover the average mortgage and the average car payment. I didn't even get to the average credit card debt of being fifteen thousand per household. And so I was alarmed by this. I was scared because I realized you were going to have people having to work longer and harder than they ever anticipated. And some of the dreams they had inside of them was something that they'd never, ever get to experience if they didn't wake up and, and be aware, shake up what they're doing, and then take up a plan that actually mm -hmm. works. Well, as you have found people and you've shared that with them, what is the average person's response? Is it, is it fear? Is it, is it anger? How did I not know? Is it oblivious? What, what would you say is the average person's response when you share that with them? I would say yes to everything you just said. Um, it is literally a mixture. Um, oftentimes it is that shock, not being aware. And again, Social Security is based on how much you pay into it. So people making more obviously would get more. But I think it really boiled down to I wanted to help people to tap into their dreams. Mm. Now, dreams are something we all have inside of us. We've all said at some point, one day I'd like to, someday I'm going to. And I hope to be able to. And I think of those three things, if we can really start to flesh that out, and if you're married, uh, to communicate with your spouse together, if you're single or newly single, have a conversation with somebody that loves you, an accountability partner. And let's start to get real about our dreams uh, instead of having them just be fairy tales. I want more people living those dreams and not regretting not having tried to reach them. That, but that is so good. I want to jump back on that in a second. And to set a baseline for us, the, the book Retire Inspired, define retirement. What, what is your, your take on what retirement is? Yeah, for me, retirement means I'm able to do the things I want to do when I want to do them for the people that I care about the most. And I know that sounds huge, but as you start to look at it, this 46-year-old guy that came in to see me was about to go travel and see some places he'd always dreamed of. He was about to do some things for his community and for his church anonymously. And I just saw the joy on his face, mm -hmm. okay? Um, I, I, it, it motivated me, Mike. It, it lit a fire in me like I'd not had in many years because I saw pure joy. Um, I saw this guy being joyful about what he was going to do for others, not just what he was doing for himself.
Mm. Boy, that is so good. It makes me think I remember hearing Zig Ziglar years ago make a make a comment and he said, We don't pay the price, we just reap the benefits. He said, You mm. only pay the price. You only pay the price when you don't do it. And you look at that guy and you look at people that are doing it the right way. What looks different about their lives? in the outcome than the average person who goes, you know what, I'm going to live for now. I'm not going to think about later. I'm just going to live for now. What are the biggest differences between those two people? Well, I think the biggest thing, I, I think I could really sum it up in one word, and that's intentional. Mm. I, I think people that, that happen to their results, people that happen for their future, they're just intentional, which means they gain knowledge by listening to a podcast, reading a book, talking to someone, they were willing to try and they were willing to keep trying. Mm. And I think when you have that, you, you don't have this, this, uh, you know, this desire to compare my friend, Rachel Cruz, Dave Ramsey's daughter wrote her book, uh, love your life, not theirs. And she talks about this comparison thing where we can get so caught up in what other people are doing. we we can forget what it was we were trying to accomplish. Boy, and so I think having that awareness is crucial where we can literally stay focused and understand a couple of things are going to have to happen to win. And this I call back onto my sports background. Um, I could not expect to perform on Saturday if I hadn't put in the work the months before. Uh, the preparation was crucial. And so preparation is intentional so it can help you to perform. And so looking at this where I encourage people to budget to understand that debt's a threat to your financial future. So let's get a game plan of how you can keep more of your money instead of making other people rich. Let's start to build wealth yourself so you can be a blessing. And so that whole intentionality thing, I think is a crucial to being able to achieve success. Boy, that is, that is spot. I completely, completely agree on that. And you made another statement I thought was really interesting. You said people act like sheep. Why is it, why did you compare people, and Jesus did too, but why did you compare people to sheep? What was the metaphor there? Okay, now I, I was curious. I love Animal Planet. Okay, I, I love to watch it. I'm intrigued by it. Uh, it's just, it, you know, and it's family friendly with the children, right? And so I was watching this special talking about sheep. And I, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know this. Okay, here's the deal. Sheep are some of the dumbest animals on the planet. Okay, they are not intelligent. That's why there's a need for a sheep herder. Hmm. All right. He's got the long staff with a hook. And the reason is, is to keep them from wandering off. The job of the, the sheep herder is to keep them together. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that's how we are. Hmm. We can sometimes be sheep where we have this goal, these things we're wanting to accomplish. But we see this bright and shiny over here to the right and we wander off. And that could be in the form of a car or a truck, or a pair of shoes, or a shirt, or whatever it is. And the next thing you know, we've wandered off of our plan, and we end up on someone that, someone else's plan. And so for me, it was one of those things where I was a sheep. I was a person that knew I had goals, but I'd end up over, you know, two miles away from my destination. And so I thought, you know what, I want to make people aware of that. So we don't fall for it. We're the most marketed to country on the planet. Commercials, they're everywhere. They're all over the place. And so if we're not careful and we don't keep our eye on the prize, we can end up on somebody else's plan. That is, that is, um, that must be what Jesus thought, huh? Out on that yes. hillside, out on that hillside that day. And nothing's changed in 2000 years. And the bad part is I can recognize a sheep and become one in minutes. And I can become just like one. You know, we talked a little bit before we went on air, Chris, about 
the difference between leadership and spiritual leadership for a person trying to live a life of not only leadership, but spiritual leadership. Why is planning ahead so important? You believe in God's economy. Well, I think as you're starting to look at it, I think first and foremost, what we want to do is make sure we're doing things to honor our Lord and Savior. Um, I, I, I am fully aware that any skill that I have, anything I'm able to be able to accomplish is a direct result of his blessing. And I think having that awareness, I want to make sure that I'm honoring him uh, in all that I do. And I think if you start to look at it, if we can just work a plan and be intentional with our money, it will set us up to be able to do the best thing, Mike, you can ever, ever do with money. And that's to be able to give for us to be able to be a blessing. And I know, uh, as your listeners are hearing this, they know someone in their church, they know someone in their community, and they probably know someone in their family that could directly benefit from a $400, $500 blessing. And if we weren't sending that to the credit card industry, if we weren't consuming that and worrying about a car payment, and we work hard and get ourselves in a position to be able to free up that kind of money, what kind of example could we be for people in our community? What kind of example and impact could we have to be able to go buy 10 to 20 turkeys or 10 to 20 hams during the holiday season and go pass them out without any kind of uh, uh, expectation of anything in return, just doing it to be kind? And, and you know, our Lord and Savior came to this earth to serve, not to be served. And I think if we can be intentional and, and, and do a plan, work a plan, we can set ourselves up to be able to do more of that kind of given than we ever thought possible. What would you say to a leader who says, man, I love the Lord, but the giving part, I want to I store it up. I want to put it all away. We almost go to the other extreme. What would you say to a leader like that? Well, I would say if, you know, a, a leader that is not sharing with the team uh, in some capacity, uh, then I'd say that person is, you know, going toward the end of, of stingy, um, of, of not allowing yourself to be a giver. Um, I'm not saying you can't be, you have to be wise in your business and you've got to be intentional with how you're doing things. You got to have a plan for the future, but I think you also have to have a plan to be able to give. Now that giving could be in the form of money. It could be in the form of time. It could be in the form of many other things that are out there. But I think that would be a heart issue. Uh, if you're struggling to give, that there's a problem. And I think when you have awareness um, and you understand anything that you have, everything you have it belongs to the Lord. Our job is to be a good steward. Uh, that's the job. Stewardship means management. Mm. And so what I want to do is manage resources. I want to manage blessings. But I want to make sure that I'm doing it with the right heart and, a, and an incredible amount of awareness. You, you chat through in your book, the five fundamentals of inspired retiring. Somebody's listening and they're going, okay, I am, I have a 401k or a 403b, but I, I'm just contributing to it. I'm not mm -hmm. really working a plan. Mm -hmm. You talk about dreaming and planning and executing commitment and vigilance. Walk us through real quickly what those five fundamentals look like in a person's life. Well, I think as you start to look and you rattle those off, the, the, the big thing I think I'd come back to is the intentionality where I understand that, hey, I'm living in this day, but I'm planning for better days. I'm planning for more. And I think that commitment, the vigilance, all of those things play a part in anyone that's reached any level of success. And we've all had success in our lives, whether it's a sports team or in relationships or in business, we've all had it. And we understand that it comes at a cost. It it requires that we pay attention. It requires that we uh, provide effort 
you know, day in and day out, and that we don't lose sight of the goal. Mm -hmm. And so for someone that's saving up in their 401k and saving, that's a good thing. But I would add this twist to it. I've been telling people, you're not just putting money into a 401k, you're putting money away to eventually replace your paycheck. You're putting money away so later you can draw money from that to be able to pay yourself on a monthly basis so you're not having to work. And I think when you tell people in that new light, they're able to look at it differently. You're able to see it and go, oh, that's why I'm doing that. Or that's why I need to contribute to a Roth IRA because it's after tax dollars and it's going to grow tax free moving forward. The government's not going to touch it. And so I, I'm trying to just help people to understand. And so they can start to do some of these small things that can lead to big things later. You have a phrase in your book, and I love this, Chris. And I think it, I think, I think it fits people spiritually uh, in their spiritual journey. I think it fits people in their financial journey. And it's never too early, never too late. Explain, mm. what, that, explain what that means. Yeah, I, I, as I talk with people, but the, the millennials would look at me and say, Chris, you know, retirement, I mean, that's something that that's for old people. That's, that's later in life. That's something I got to worry about. And then I would talk to some baby boomers or traditionalists that were older, and they'd say, well, you know, I missed the boat, it's too late for me to start doing anything to help myself. And I, I literally came up with a phrase that it's never too early, and it's never too late, because I wanted young people to engage into it and understand it and understand taking a few key steps now will put you in a beautiful position later. And for people that are maybe a little bit older, maybe you're in your 40s, your 50s, or even your 60s, and you haven't done enough, and you're now becoming aware of it, it's not too late. Uh, it's never too late. If you wake up with breath in your lungs, then you have an opportunity to get better. And so I think it's a matter of just making some decisions and really understanding. For example, someone in their 50s, if they have nothing safe for retirement, they would say, well, Chris, what can I do? I'd say, first and foremost, let's understand your income and let's get on a budget. Let's understand where's your money going right now in the form of debt. Let's get intentional about attacking that debt. But let's also look to figure out how can we bring in some extra money? What are some talents you've been blessed with? Uh, things that come easy for you that might not come easy for others. Uh, the prime example of this is a lady, she was a school teacher, mathematics, fantastic teacher, didn't have anything safe for retirement. She's in her early 50s. I asked her, I said, you seem to light up talking about math. And she goes, I absolutely love it. I said, well, have you ever considered tutoring in the evening? And I said, I I'm saying that because you could tutor in the evening and devote all that money toward retirement. And she looked at me like I just invented fire, right? She had never thought of that idea. Wow. And so that's what she started to do. And so I, I just want people to know there are always steps that you can take. Uh, one of my coaches, uh, Mike, told me years ago, and I'll never forget this. He said, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Nothing stays the same. That's right. Let me repeat that for your listeners. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Nothing stays the same. And so as we start to look through the lens of our financial future, I would encourage people to apply that statement. We're either getting better or we're getting worse. Nothing stays the same. I want us to choose to get better. What does retirement look like for Chris Hogan? As you, as you fast forward ahead to that intentional life that you're doing your very best to design for Chris, what does it look like? Well, retirement looks like for me, I'm able to have options. Um, I'm able to do more of the things that I absolutely want to do and none of the things I don't want to do. Uh, that's what it looks like for me. And uh, that's doing some travel. Uh, that's doing some mission work. Uh, that's me plugging in into some communities, uh, trying to help some young people kind of begin to have some of the skills that I was given 
from some leaders and coaches years ago to encourage them to dream bigger for themselves. And I want them to dream in high definition. You know, I want them to see these things. And I don't care where you come from. I'm more worried about where you're headed. Uh, meaning that from a single parent home, which I came from, uh, whether you have both parents or one, or maybe you have none, you still have an opportunity ahead of you because uh, you've been blessed with opportunity. You've been, you're fortunate enough to live in a, the greatest country on the planet, in my opinion, where opportunities are everywhere. We just have to make smarter choices. You know, I love that you hit that you came from a single parent home because I think it would be really easy to say, well, this is the kind of life if you've had everything go your way, you can live. But that's really not true, is it? No, can, it's not. You can find that life anywhere. What would you what would you say to some young men or some young women that the things have been stacked up against them to mm-hmm. say they get to have this kind of life? What would you say to them? Well, I would say that, uh, first of all, I would say I'm sorry for any of the tough things you've had to walk through. Um, Those are challenges. Um, And a lot of people have had to deal with some setbacks, Um, you know, whether they've had, you know, family members pass away or illness or maybe they they didn't have money or they struggled to make ends meet. And I'd say, you know, number one, you've survived that. You know, you are still standing. And, And I would tell them one of my favorite phrases that a setback can be a setup for a comeback. Um, and it's just a matter of how we're looking at it. And so I would encourage them to figure out what it is they want to do, the things that get them excited, maybe even think about some of the people that blessed them along the way, because we've all been blessed. We've all been supported. We've all been cheered by somebody. And I would ask them, what would you love to do for that person one day? What kind of gratitude would you like to show them? What's a thing you'd love to do for them? Take them on a cruise or send them on a trip. Or I would say, when are you going to do that? Like when? And that's the thing I would challenge them to start to think about because you've all, we've all seen it, even in sports, me growing up, you would see guys in college, they say, hi, mom or dad. Or if you talk to any college athlete, they want to do something for their parents to be able to show their appreciation. And so my, my favorite question is when, when mm-hmm. are you going to do that? Because someday ain't on the calendar. There is no such thing as someday you wary, right? It isn't there. And so what we have to do is start to make decisions and start to start planning with intentionality. What does that win do for you? So you go from just a, well, someday I'm going to do this or someday I'm going to do that. What does saying win and setting a defined time, what does that do for you? For me, it gives me motivation. It gives me, you know, very clear. I have to, I have to decide. When I ask someone when, they're either going to decide to do it or they're going to decide not to. Uh, For me, when I do that and I set goals for myself, I I take goal setting very seriously. Um, It's one of those things that I strive for stuff. I push. I'm not scared of sacrifice. I'm not scared of hard work. But most of all, I'm scared of not reaching my potential. And so I know what it is I'm trying to accomplish because I know the people I'm trying to provide for and the things that I want to do in my community and trying to impact this nation. If you could sit down with every college student in this country right now, what would you want them to know? If you if you had one one thought to share with an average American college student, what would you want them to know? I would I would tell them that they have more opportunities than they've ever dreamed of. You have an opportunity, um, regardless of whatever it is you want to be. Um, the only thing standing in your way is a plan, hard work, and the proper guidance. But you have opportunities. What would you tell every parent? And what do you, let me, let me ask you this way. What do you wish every parent would do for their children? The, the parents that are growing up, they're trying to get their kids through elementary, middle, high school, getting them off to college. If you had a wish for every parent that they could do for their kids, what would it be? 
I would wish that they would teach their kids that they could, they have many opportunities. Uh, but I would also say that I wish they teach them about money. Um, I wish they would help them understand at a young age to spend, save, and give so kids have an awareness and they can make wiser decisions. For example, one of the largest debt issues we have in our country right now, actually the largest, is student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Student loan debt is the number one threat to financial futures. And so if parents would educate kids about debt and what it does and what it requires and what it takes from you, then students, young, young adults will be able to make wiser decisions. Not every kid needs to go to college. Maybe it's a trade school um, that, that they can go to community college to knock out prerequisites and then transfer to a two-year institution after applying for scholarships and grants. And I say that because they wouldn't graduate with 50, 75, or 175000 in student loan debt, which is essentially the size of a mortgage as their beginning life. Boy, and that's so true, Chris. And I sit down with so many young couples getting ready to do premarital and get them ready for a wedding. And you've got two kids bringing in loan debt and man, they're beginning underground. I mean, they're beginning with everything stacked against them. I know something that uh, my parents did for my kids. I've got two kids that they started 529 plans for them. And so instead of buying them a lot of stuff at Christmas, when they were born, they started contributing to 529 plans and good night. I mean, we would have forgotten those toys and what a blessing that was for us as parents to have for our kids what do you believe was the purpose you were created for, Chris? When when God put Chris Hogan together with an absolutely incredible voice, by the way, but hmm. when he put you together, what do you think he created you for? I think number one to show that uh, his grace and mercy, um, as I look back uh, from the things that I've walked through and the dumb things that I've done, uh, but I'm 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 still blessed and fortunate to try to keep moving forward. Um, I think my mission statement is simple. I was put on this planet to educate, encourage, and inspire as many people as I possibly can to believe that things are possible. Things are possible financially, things are possible in relationships, and things are definitely possible in leadership. Was there ever a valley that you walked through that you began to question that purpose? I think it was more of a valley of walking through of how I was going to get to do it. Um, I wasn't aware of the, the, the size scope or impact of it. Um, I didn't care if it was with two people at a time with a small company or 202 people with a medium sized company. Uh, that was the thing that I was most anxious about. I didn't know the Avenue or how I was going to get to do this thing that I really wanted to do. And ultimately I look at it and realize that I had the ability all along. I just wasn't utilizing it in the environment that I was put in. And Mike, I say that for a reason, because sometimes we can try to hold our breath to get to this one place so we can let it all out. And I just want people to understand you can do the things you're designed to do right where you are. Uh, you, you, you can encourage people if you're working with two or 22, you can begin to do that. You can care on people and love people right where you are, one person at a time. So you don't have to wait. Um, what you have to do is get clear. Do you think sometimes we wait on the destination to think, okay, when I get to this place, I'll begin to do that? (laughs) Oh, I think we totally do. I mean, I was, it was one of those things when I was miserable banking and getting frustrated, I, I was finding myself getting more and more irritated. Um, And then I look back on it now and I realize, oh my, there's wisdom in waiting. 
Um, the, it, the, the waiting was the process, which helped me to be aware of when I did arrive, when I was there, that I knew that this was an opportunity that I was going to grab with both hands. I wasn't going to let it slip through my fingers because too oftentimes we're waiting for opportunity to come knock on the door and stand on our front porch and wait on us. We don't realize that opportunities are moving. And mm -hmm. so what we have to do is start to move so we can catch an opportunity when the time is right. What is handling money right done for your marriage? What, you know, I think sometimes we look at it and we go, well, I want to take care of my retirement and I want to leave a little bit for my kids. But what is having a proper perspective of all this done for day-to-day -day living for you? Well, I, I can tell you this. The, the money fights are the number one cause for divorce in North America. Number one. And so if couples can get aligned and get on the same page, it doesn't mean be the same because we're different. We know God has a sense of humor. That's why we marry people opposite That's right. than us. But if we can get on the same page about the goals and the same page about the process, now you can begin to work in unison. And that's literally like rowing in a rowboat. You know, if you grow in a rowboat and you're rowing at the same speed with the same intensity in the same direction, you are going to arrive at the destination faster than two people in a boat that are off out of sync and not in unison. And so that to me is what getting in aligned together in your marriage with money will do for you. It helps you reach the destination faster. When life is said and done and you're looking in the rearview mirror and you're seeing all that, you're seeing the destination, you're in the destination that you prayed you would be in and you intentionally drove yourself towards. And you're looking back on this life, Chris, what do you want people to say about Chris Hogan? What do you want people to say about what kind of father you were, what kind of dad you were, what kind of friend you were, what kind of worker you were? How would you want people to describe you? Well, I, I've often said that my greatest legacy are, are my three sons. Um, and for me, the, the most ultimate compliment that could happen uh, when I'm long gone is that somebody bumps into those boys and they say, I knew your father or I heard him speak or I read something he wrote. And that man believed more in me than I believed in myself. Mm -hmm. And he pushed me and he encouraged me and he inspired me to do something different in my relationships, in my money or in my business. I think if those boys hear that at some point uh, along in their life, uh, then I've done my job. Well, Chris, thank you for living out your purpose because you are encouraging thousands to find their purpose and to not only make their retirement better, but I believe living this way makes every day better. So thank you for living out your purpose and thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, absolutely. It's been an honor and I look forward to catching up with you again. Where do you even begin looking at what Chris said? Good night. I was just voraciously taking notes on all the things that Chris said. The great thing is, all of that and even more is in his book, Retire Inspired. And I really encourage you to go out and pick up a copy because it's one of those things that when you read it and you really begin to process it, man, you see how much is there. And remember, Chris also has his Retired Inspired podcast. Those will be links for those in the show notes. You know, after every episode in my sit-downs with these great leaders, I try to think of the word that sort of stood out to me. You know the word for Chris? Intentional. I love that word because it really brings everything together. We can go through life and let things happen, 
or we can go through life and be intentional about everything we can control. And we all get, there are things in life that are going to come our way we can't control. But when we live an intentional life, I think the blessings that come on the other end are absolutely amazing. And I am so thankful that there are people out there like Chris that have found a calling and their callings to help set people free. You know, money is one of those things we say here at North Star all the time. Money's inanimate. It's neither good nor bad. It's how we use it and how we handle it. And either money holds us or we hold money. And I think Chris's whole point is when you begin to dictate how money is going to work, it's amazing how much better things can end up being for you. You know, I don't think there'll ever be a day I don't work. I'll always do something, whether it's helping out at a church or helping out at a ball field. I will I will never not do anything. And I think sometimes we hear the word retirement and we think, oh, that means I don't do anything. No, I think what it means is you don't have to do anything. You get the choice that you don't have to work. And I think that's the day that I long for. And that's the day that I hope I have planned well enough for. And that is what Chris's heartbeat and his passion is to help set up people for that kind of life. I sure hope you enjoyed that time with Chris because I know that I did. And I'll say this, Chris is a, is a gentleman we had never met. So I've gotten his book and read his book and contacted Ramsey Solutions and he could not have been more gracious and kind to be able to jump on with us because I know I left better, and I sure hope you did. Please go out and grab that book. Tune into his podcast because those are the kind of things that we can get distracted. We can become like what we talked about. We can become sheep and wander off from the things we know that are right and end up being in a place we really don't want to be. Thank you, Chris, for our time together. Well, our next episode, you're really going to enjoy. If you're a coach and you work with student athletes and you lead organizations, then this guy is going to be a guy that you are going to love. His name is Todd Gongwer. Todd wrote a book called Lead for God's Sakes that was a good, uh, a good friend of mine gave me to read a few years ago. And it was one of those books when you're reading it, you just can't put it down because it captures you and brings you into a story. And you are going to love my time with Todd in our next episode. Well, thanks again for tuning in today. I hope you'll leave a review for us because every time that you do on iTunes or Stitcher, every time you leave a review, it helps somebody else find their way here. And hopefully somebody else can find the purpose that God created them for because they found you. Thanks again for tuning in today. I hope you have a great day. And until next time, keep living the life that God created you to live so you can be the person that God created you to be. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 